Welcome to the Whistle Way Podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with EXP Realty in San Diego. My name is Brian Kochi, Director of Marketing here at Whistle Realty Group. The goal of the show is to give you the tools, techniques, and tactics to go out there and crush it in your business. The way that we like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. If you have a question you want to have us answer on a future episode of the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions, subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel, join our referral network private Facebook group and our email newsletter and get dialed in with our media mayor mastermind course at half price, uh, where we teach you everything we've learned about creating video over the last eight years together, all at the And if you enjoyed the episode today, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button, let YouTube know you enjoyed it. If you want more of our content, hit the subscribe button and little notification bell. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, when this episode is over, hit that subscribe button and write a quick little review about the show. Those reviews um, really mean a lot to us and they go a long, long way. So it's it's greatly appreciated. It's amazing how many people ask us, how do we get more reviews from our clients? And we tell them, but then when we ask them for a review, how difficult it is to get reviews on our podcast. Yeah. Well, the part of the podcast is you have to listen to the episode. Like we've gotten a ton of people to write reviews, but they haven't listened on like that platform. So most of the platforms are smart enough. Like if you've never listened to a full episode, you can't write a review about it. And so if somebody's watching, like watches our show in my Facebook group or on YouTube, they can't then load a podcast episode and write a review. You have to watch, even Spotify won't even let you write a review. Mm. iTunes will let you write it and then it'll just filter it like (laughs) Yelp does. I bet you can download it. They won't know if you listen to it if you downloaded it, right? Um, yeah, if somebody did a download and then wrote a review, they probably, but I think it still wants to see that they listened to it. Yeah. It's harder to get a review on podcasts than you think. I mean, if only Zillow made sure that you actually sold that person a house before they did that. Yeah. Uh, Let's not encourage them to add more filters. No, but we've, we've seen people with 30 plus reviews that had had two or three sales. sales. (laughs) Yeah. Some people figure that out. Uh, Anyways. Um, is that your whole spiel? Are you yeah. good on that? Yeah, I think I'm done. Okay, so All today, right, I'm going home. <laughs> today I wanted to talk about um, obviously things are different now than they have been in the past two years. In the past two years, different than they have been in the past ten years. Yeah. Um, one of the things that is unique and that we're talking about with our our team and within our Facebook groups is uh, what's different about pulling comps or comparable properties for listings home for sale now versus they've been in the last two years. Um, so before we get into how do we do it now, I want you to talk a little bit about what you've been talking about and how you've been using this during this crazy, crazy series. And then I want you to talk about what we're doing now. Yeah. So pulling comps has been very, very interesting, uh, for the last couple of years with the market going absolutely crazy. The thing that's been interesting is it, you didn't have to be good at pulling comps. Like you could screw it up royally and put it on the market and whether you listed it low it would get bid up if you listed it high it, it would get people bid up. would <laughs> catch up like it didn't really matter like the number was going to get to where it needed to get to no matter what so it wasn't very important like you could just guess a number and be fine you could put it at a dollar it'd be fine you could put a million dollars it'd be fine but that just doesn't fly in this market. And so I personally am very excited for this market. I love change because um, most agents are going to use the mindset that they have used for a long time, which is like, ah, whatever, just put a number on it. They put very little effort, very little energy into comping a property. And and in this new market, which we're recording today is what, August the 8th. Um, in this new market, here, 
values have slid close to 5% in the last 90 days, you can't get away with screwing up the number in this market. Like you just can't get away with it anymore. The market's not going to cover your ass. So agents who aren't putting the energy and effort into pulling comps, they're getting screwed because what's ending up happening is they're listing homes at the wrong number, whether it be too high, too low, whatever, just in general, the wrong number. And especially in this market, if you list at a number that's too high, you're going to end up, you know, in a few different scenarios. One, you're going to end up having to have really difficult conversations with your seller on a consistent basis where they're upset at you because the home hasn't sold and you keep having to hit them up for price, you know, price reduction, uh, reductions. You mean um, improvements? Yeah, we're, we're talking agents right now. So <laughs> you're going to hit them up for price reduction over and over and over again. Like those are not fun conversations. You do not want to be in those conversations over and over and over again. Um, or you're getting fired like because you screwed up and you overpriced a home. Um, and that is not fun. Nobody wants to be in that position. So we're in this new market where you've got to spend more time than you probably ever have on comps because you really got to nail that price. If you nail that price, homes are still selling in a reasonable amount of time. But if you come in too high, it's hard to recover from that in this market because in, in this type of market where there's so many less buyers out there, if you miss the mark on that initial number, it's really hard to get the buyers to come back once you finally get down to the number you should have been at. Now, um, talk to me a little bit about, we've always used comps as what sold. Um, things skyrocketed quickly, pr home prices skyrocketed. Now home prices are falling quickly. Um, probably to correct for that. Overpricing, right? Lots of different reasons. Um, how do you run those comps? Do you do it only on things that sold? Do you do pending? Do you do listed? Like, do you utilize some of those tools that we typically don't? So in San Diego, we have three primary categories. We have active, we have pending, and we have sold. Those are the three primary categories. Your market might be a little different, but those are three. Pretty obvious what each of those three are. In the previous market, we were looking at at solds a little bit, but I was looking at pendings a lot of bit. <laughs> and <laughs> a lot of it, that's definitely a word yeah, in the English language. <laughs> yep. And uh, actives kind of in the middle. So in that market, what sold wasn't as valuable, especially if it sold like, you know, a, the traditional criteria is like going back six months, but you couldn't go back six months. I mean, San Diego moved in, you know, the six months prior to this whole rate change thing we probably went up 20 plus percent. So you couldn't look at a comp from six months ago. It wasn't real. You had to look at, you know, ideally 30 days, maybe up to 90 days, but then you had to factor in like 2% appreciation per month and you were still missing the mark. So those, those solds were the least valuable. I think the pendings were the most valuable because you could see at what number did somebody offer, but then you had to call that agent because you had to find out how high above list did they go. Um, cause you had no idea how crazy it went, but the pendings were really your best number because that was at this price, this got activity on this home, but then we got to try to find out how high above it did it go. And the further along somebody was in that, um, escrow period, if they were past their contingency removal, a lot of times they would tell you what number they're going to close at. And so now that give you some insight because the comps, maybe say the last comp sold for a million, but the one that's pending is actually about to close for a million fifty. 
So in that market, you knew a million fifty was like the new floor, and then it was how high above that could I go? And then your actives, you had to those, see those are those pendings are almost pre-sold. Like yeah. it's, it's it's past pending, but it's before sold. Yeah. But you want to know, like, yeah. hey, there were buyers all the way up to a million fifty on this thing. So it was really important to know how high above were buyers willing to go. Um, which we were seeing about 5% became pretty common in San Diego. And one month we were 7% above on the uh, sold price to list price ratio. So you had to figure out like how, where's that ratio at in that area and price it accordingly. And then the actives, which there basically were none of, so you couldn't pay a whole lot of attention on them. But you could look at the actives and see are people shooting too high and, and do they have a number listed that's uh, sitting so let's say somebody's listed at one, two, and it's been on the market for three weeks, which again, in that market, that was a long time. So you could see, all right, I got a sold at a million. I got another one that was listed at a million, but that's, that's pending at a million fifty and is about to close. And then I got somebody who tried for one, two and couldn't get it. So now, you know, your number is going to be between that million fifty and that 1.2 range. And now you're just going to adjust accordingly of where you should price that home based on that. How far above the million fifty do you think you can push? So that's where we were. Now where we are now. People are like taking notes like, okay, I know what to do now. And you're like, yeah. don't do yeah, any of that. It's too late. <laughs> um, but I want to take you on the journey of where we yeah. were and where we're at now. Now we can actually go back a little further on the pendings. So my belief is that by the time this year is over we'll be relatively flat if you go january to january i think we'll end up pretty flat on values what i think is going to happen is most of the gains we had in the first six months of the year we're going to give back in the the second six months of the year and i think we'll end up in a relatively flat market by the time all said and done and then if rates can freaking stabilize which in the last week we've had literally in the last, uh, let's call it week and a half, we had four days of almost half point swing, like which is unheard of for rates to move close to a half a point a day. So we need to get rid of that volatility. As soon as the volatility goes away and we get stability, people start coming back in the market because they're like, okay, cool, rates are now 5%. That's what it is. I'm good with it. But the problem is we're going four, you know, four and seven eighths, five and a half, five and a quarter, five, five and three quarters. Like it's freaking nuts right now. So. <laughs> Um, I think you're continuing to see value slide as we, as long as we have this volatility in rates, cause there's just so many buyers that are like, I'm, I'm not okay with this. We talked in the last episode about high S's, um, and same thing here. High S's do not like volatility. So until we get stability, I think you're going to continue to see value slide. Um, so how are we pricing homes today? Well, you can go further back. Now we can start to look 90 days back. We could look six months back. Um, so we could see what stuff has sold for in the past, but now where those were kind of giving us our floor, those are now our ceiling number because the probability of you selling above any other comp in this market is, is not very high. Now you could have that fluky, unique property, and I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's highly unlikely that you're going to set a record in this market. Again, in San Diego, we've slid about 5% in the last 90 days. Um, so you're probably not selling above. So now your sold comps are establishing your ceiling of how high you can go. Um, now we're going to go to pendings and now pendings again are going to be the best data that we can get because you're going to have actives and you're going to see at what price are homes not selling. So 
you know that you can't go that high, right? People are continuing to test the market. There's still a lot of agents. I see them posting on social media like, oh, the market's not going down. We're still going up. Like, no, you dumbass. We are actively <laughs> sliding right now. And, but there's agents who, whether they don't want to accept it or they have bad leadership that's not shooting straight with them, whatever. Um, so you're still going to have those ones that get listed at crazy numbers. But those will help you also reinforce what your ceiling is. But what we need to look at more so right now are the pendings. We've got to look at at what number did somebody actually offer on this home. But where before when we were we would call the agent on that pending to figure out how high above did it go. Now we're having the same conversation, but we're figuring out how low below that list price that home went. Um, so the pendings are still going to be our best because now we know, hey, at a million dollars, this home did get an offer. And based on the conversation with the agent, it's going to close at 975 or it's going to close at 990 or whatever that number is. So that's going to be our new sold comp, which is going to be our new ceiling, which most likely that's going to lower the ceiling a little bit. So I'm still very heavy on the pendings, but the actives, what I really want to look at, and this is what we have to help our sellers with is we've got to show our sellers, hey, in, the, in your neighborhood right now, there are three other homes similar to yours. And here's what they are priced at. What do we need to do with your home to make your home stand out amongst those other three homes? Add a pool. Yeah, there you go. No <laughs> problem. Snap pool. Um, right. They we got to look Costco, at 35 bucks. You just blow them up. They're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Because right now we have competition. We didn't have competition six months ago, but now you have competition. So we got to look at what is our competition going to be and how can we differentiate ourselves from the competition? Are there four homes for sale and, and none have a pool and you're going to be the only one with a pool? If you're in the right market here in San Diego, if you're you know, 20, 30 minutes in from the coast, the pool matters a lot because it gets hot. Like this entire week's 90 something degrees. Like, so if you have a pool, there's a lot of value if you're in inland San Diego. So if there's you know three other homes for sale, you're going to be the fourth and you have a pool, like, okay, maybe you can be higher priced than the other comps. But if there's three other homes, same floor plan or very similar floor plan, and, and you're going to come in and you're in the same condition and none of you guys have pools. There's nothing, you know, nothing about your home that's massively different than the other homes. You've got to think what's going to cause somebody to offer on your home versus those. If you're hoping it's because they think like your, your light switches are prettier than everybody else's, like that's probably not going to fly. If you want your home to stand out, you've got to undercut the competition because buyers are going to, if they come in a neighborhood, they're going to look at all the homes. They're going to look at the four of you. And if you guys all look the same, they're going to most likely pick the one that's priced the lowest, or they might take stabs at all four and, and write low ball offers and see which one of you is, is willing to take the lower price. But what you got to think about is let's say you have four homes that are all priced similarly. At some point, somebody's going to realize the market's sliding and they're going to undercut the other three homes. And so, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, you have a choice. Do you want to be the one that undercuts them to make yourself the clear and obvious um, uh, choice, choice? Decision. Right? Mm -hmm. Decision is what I was going for. Do you want to be the obvious decision amongst the four? Or do you want to be one of four? And now somebody's going to lowball offer on all four. And then it's going to be a matter of, well, who takes the lowball offer? Because once somebody takes that lowball offer, that's now the new ceiling. And now you're going to have to undercut that number if you want to sell. So do you... My recommendation is let's get ahead of it. Let's be the clear and obvious choice. And then everybody else is going to have to chase us on the way down. And so that's what we're focused on right now. One of the things that you talked about today that I haven't heard talked about much at all 
is looking at actives because that was always a no-no. You don't look at actives, and this was three years ago, right? You don't look at actives to set your price per se, but I like looking at actives, looking at how many days it's on the market and comparing it to the average days on market for that subset. We can do that in our MLS. I'm sure you can as well. But you know, if the average days on market for these homes is, is 22 days and that's been on there for 23 days, okay, that's not necessarily bad. You can't just look at the straight number. But if it's been on for 45 days, you know, double the average time, that can tell you something more. So I, I liked, you talked a lot about looking at the days on market. My only add to that is make sure you compare it to the active or the average, nice. because you could say, wow, this is a long time. You know, it's, it used to be eight, but now we're at 14. Well, yeah, but now the average is 21. They're not even, they're not out of the running They're They're not necessarily overpriced. They still got some time left on the clock. So, so yeah, just think about this. The actives are going to show you at what price are homes not selling. Mm. The pennings are going to show you at what price they are selling. So keep that in mind too, is when you're looking at it. And now again, if it's active and it's been on the market two days, that's not, doesn't mean that's a price it's not selling at when it surpasses, like Brian's saying, when it surpasses what the average is in that area or the median, whichever way you prefer to look at it, you know, again, if the median, I would look at both of them. <laughs> yeah. If the median's 10 days and it's been 30 like clearly that's a number the home's not selling at so don't go there um but if it's two days you're right take that with a grain of salt so you're more looking for the actives that have been sitting past what's normal and that's going to help you establish the number you can't go above because nobody's paying that price so we mentioned this earlier you know overpriced you're either gonna have to beat up your seller to, to come down or they're, they're going to beat you, you up <laughs> uh, yeah. in the yeah. process. You don't um, really get to beat them up. They beat you up as you do it. Yeah. So you, you, you take your punches, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously that's going to bring more expireds to the market. What do you think this does to, to for sale by owners? I think they'll be much more willing to work with agents. So I think if, if you're looking for a lead source that's going to uh, call these all trees, like this is a it's going to bear a lot more fruit for agents. Because as people try to do this on their own, it was really easy six months ago. Anybody could sell a home six months ago. Now it's a lot harder. And so I think for sale by owners are going to miss the mark a lot more often. And, and as their home sits, they're going to be more willing to bring an agent in. And I think also looking at that, the average days on market, that get, utilizing the data that we're talking about, you know, average days on the market for their areas, 10 days, they're 30 days in. Utilizing that in your conversation can probably help you. 100%. Cool. Um. Anything else you want to talk about pulling comps in, in today's market? No, this this is saying a buddy of mine, Chase Mayer, came up with. Um, maybe stole from somebody else, but it's fine. I don't know. <laughs> we'll give him credit. Everybody, we all steal each other's things. So <laughs> a two-minute offense can prevent a 20-minute defense. And if you could just spend a little bit more time on the offense with your comps, just spend a little more time pulling the comps, you can prevent being on a, a the defense all the time. And constantly having to have these conversations with your seller about lowering the price. So I would tell you just spend a little bit of extra time up front right now nailing those comps. Really dig in. Look at the backyard. Like, is it have a view where it slopes down at the end of the yard? Or is there a hillside at the back and a house right above it that's looking down on you? Like, you can't see that easily from a map. And agents a lot of times aren't going to show that in the photos. So, like, if you can go drive by the comps, like when you're going to your listing appointment, try to drive by all the comps on the way to the listing appointment. Like just spend a little more energy and effort 
right now on those comps, call all the pendings and see where they're at. You know, and, and a lot of times like, oh, I can't tell you that info. Okay, cool. Well, you know, are you at this number? Like, you'd be amazed. They'll say, I can't tell you. And then you throw a number out there like, oh, yeah, we're right around that. Cool. Why don't you just fucking tell me the number? <laughs> but it's fine. Um, you just got to play the game. So um, spend some more time on the comps and it's going to pay dividends because that extra little bit of offense prevents a whole lot of defense. Cool. I like it. Um, yeah, that's all I got. All right, cool. Hopefully you guys got a lot of value out of that. If you did, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button, let YouTube know. If you want more of our content, hit the subscribe button and little notification bell. If you are listening on a podcast platform, when you finish up with this, hit that subscribe button and write a review for us. Those mean a lot. So we'd really, really appreciate that. Um, and if you want to uh, ask a question, have us answer it on a future episode, you can go to thewhistleway.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel. You can join our Facebook private group, our referral network, and our email newsletter, and get dialed in with 50% off on our video content creation course called the Media Mayor Mastermind, all at thewhistleway.com. Before we wrap today, we always like to finish with something we call the whistle widget of the week. This is something we utilize in our business. It saves us time, makes us more money, or just helps us have more fun. What do you got, Brian? So this um, widget is actually something we've talked about in the past, but I wanted to talk about it again because we got a question about it um, from Chris Clay. And Tom, do you remember, did he ask this on the website or? I submitted a question. Yeah, so Chris uh, Clay submitted this on thewhistleway.com. There's a a section there for you to ask a question. And he talks about, um, so he's a new solo agent. He's built out a pretty good tech stack. He's utilizing FUB, but he realizes he needs text and ringless voicemails on top of that um and basically goes on to say um he's got some lead sources i wanted to kind of chime in here and let him know because he asked about a couple different options we're using call action um we've been using this for years one of my favorite things about call action is actually the owner jesse not only is he intelligent but he and, and seeing things forward but he's also very open and willing to listen and grow um through call action we can do all sorts of things we can send um, photo, obviously the text messages, we can send photo texts, we can send gifts, gifs, we can send, um, V cards, V cards, ringless voicemails. We can do a bunch of things there. I've also mentioned this before. I, I love their, um, their custom field, not one of the custom fields, the, uh, no, I but basically you can, you can send it at 9am and you can say, Good morning, but if you send it at 2 p.m., it says good afternoon. So they've got kind of a unique thing there, which they probably added on from somewhere, but I haven't seen it in other places, so I like that a lot. Um, merge fields is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're big fans of call action, and we utilize call action built into FUB, which connects very nicely. And then I believe we also get our a lot of our messaging from Hatch Coaching, is that right? Yeah, so Jesse has a lot of plans built in. So Jesse's the owner of call action. He has a lot of really good plans built into the system, but then you can also get plans from other people with Eric Hatch is a buddy of ours out of uh, Fargo. And they have some campaigns that we've had really good luck with that we plugged into the call action system. So yeah, that's my widget is basically an answer to Chris in answer to your question, call action. Cool. Uh, the one I want to share, if uh, you're anything like me, you probably buy a lot of shit on Amazon or your significant other does. Um, I come home every day. I feel like it's like a, a new mountain of Amazon boxes. Um, I found this tool that's really cool to help you not make, buy dumb shit on Amazon. Um, I already don't want to listen to this. I like buying <laughs> dumb shit on Amazon. So I don't know if you know this, but there are so many fake reviews on Amazon. It's ridiculous. 
Um, the amount of fake reviews, especially on anything electronics related, is insane. Um, a lot of people have figured out ways to hack. I mean, you got to realize half your products are coming from, um, you know, places like China where there, you know, there's so many um, hackers and shit in there. And so they're finding ways to come in and get all these fake reviews on their products. So you're like, oh, my gosh, this has like 800 reviews. I should totally buy this. Guess what? Or 32,000. Yeah, like, bro, those are on. actually the worst. So yeah. this system will actually, you just take the URL of the product you're looking at, paste it in, and it will tell you how legit the reviews are on that product. So it'll say, here's what the Amazon rating is, but after we adjust for all the fake reviews, here's what it really is. And it gives it a score between A and F, so you could realize how like fake the reviews are on the product. And the website is called Fake Spot, F-A-K-E-S-P-O-T. So you just take the URL, paste it in there, it'll tell you like if this is like a legit product that has good ratings and they're real ratings, or this has 30,000 reviews, and they're all fake as shit. And so I've seen ones that have, you know, 20, 30,000 reviews and it'll be like, there's not even enough real reviews to tell you. These are all fake. It's an F. Um, it's pretty crazy. So this will help you not buy dumb shit. Um, now you can still buy dumb shit you don't really need. Yes. But this will help you not <laughs> buy dumb shit that doesn't work. Okay. Um, it's fine. Buy dumb shit. It's fine. You work hard for your money. Let's go. To add on to that. They uh, there's a plugin for uh, Chrome. There's a Chrome extension. There's yeah, a Chrome. Yeah, Chrome extension. And so now you don't even have to copy and paste. It'll just show you right there what the reviews. And it works for other websites too. I don't remember all the other ones, but obviously Amazon's the biggest. But there's a lot of other websites that it also works with. So fakespot.com. I hope that helps you guys. Sweet. Awesome. Well, I hope you got a ton of value out of the show today. Again, I'm Kyle Whistle with EXP Realty in San Diego. Follow me on Instagram at Kyle Whistle. I'm Brian Kochi. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Later.